And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So, the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, flying solo this week. Well, kind of. Ari Wasserman is on vacation. He'll be back with us next week. But we wanted to make sure we still gave you guys a show this week. It is coming to you a bit later. We apologize for that. But, you know, it's here. It'll give you something to listen to this weekend. We have Nick Baumgartner on. Uh, he is basically our Michigan football expert, state of Michigan football expert. He writes about Michigan Wolverines, Michigan State, the Detroit Lions, um, just really sort of knowledgeable on, on all three of those areas, but but particularly on the Michigan football program, which is what we talked about with him today. All the changes going on up there, uh, Jim Harbaugh's weird contract situation, how they're trying to revamp recruiting, what some things might look like on the field, all in an effort to figure out, you know, one, can Michigan get closer to Ohio State, and two, like where Michigan even stands just in the East, you know, compared to – programs like Indiana and Penn State. So it's a fun conversation with Nick. Uh, make sure you go read his stuff on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. You can get you signed up. Nick also co-hosts a uh, Michigan podcast called The Beat with Brendan Quinn. They'll bring in some other Michigan-centric writers too if you ever want to keep tabs on what's going on with those programs. Check out The Beat and check out this interview with Nick Baumgartner. Very pleased to be joined on 4-6 to six with A&B by our what do we call you, Nick? You're you're a Michigan writer. You're a Michigan State writer. You cover the Lions. Mich- Michigan football expert, Nick Baumgartner. Some guy that uh, gets yells at people sometimes on Twitter. <laughs> but no, I'm just yeah. See, senior writer is my title, but yeah, still still just Nick Baumgartner here in Detroit. How you doing? Covering all things football in the yeah. great state of Michigan. 
Nick Baumgartner. I tell you, I, I have fun with it, though, Bill. Like, I get to do Lions. I get to do Michigan, Michigan and Michigan State. Like, I get to see the... Like, the draft was a lot of fun for me. I get to nerd out on stuff that a lot of people, I think, don't like. So, it's a cool niche for me. I like yeah, somebody, somebody asked me uh, not long ago, like, what what I would like to do, like, outside of covering Ohio State. And I said, well, I like covering Ohio State, but Nick's got a pretty yeah. sweet gig. I wouldn't mind having a job where I just cover football in Ohio, like, at any it's level. It's fun, man. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty fun. Oh, yeah, like, Ohio. You could do, like, Browns and Bengals and Ohio. Like, it's... It's cool to see those like journeys, you know, you know that, like that, you know, because Ohio State has so many guys that grow up from high school and and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that's the, that's the cool part of the job I think for me right now is you see so many layers of football from all angles and it's been a lot of fun. So you're you're uh, you're taking the place of Ari on this podcast. We don't have Ari this week because he's on vacation. <laughs> I'm do you have a do you have a hankering for filet of fish because you're you're stepping in the Ari? No, here. Okay. I don't have hankering for filet of fish. And I told you before we started that I'm going to make Ari jealous here, and we're going to talk. Michigan Ohio State recruiting now that Ari's on vacation. Also, we have to give Ari. I haven't given him a congrats in person yet, anyway, because I haven't seen him obviously because of COVID. But like, Ari's getting married and having a kid, and like, what's he buying? Like three houses and a car and a boat, Bill, yeah. in like a week here while he's doing everything at he's, once. He's so that's awesome. Uh, he's taking over the whole whole state of Texas. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. great. So uh, we have uh, we have Nick on here uh, this week. Talk a little bit about what's going on up at Michigan. A lot of changes mm-hmm. um, in that program on the staff. I think you're going to see some changes on the field. Uh, I'm sure there are many Ohio State fans who don't think any of it will matter because Ohio State just, just yeah, kind of right. owns Michigan. But I thought it'd be good, to, Nick, right. to give Ohio State fans an idea of of what's changing up there. Um, and I was trying, I was like struggling where to start. And I guess we'll just start with sort of like the most recent bit of news because it kind of crystallized yeah. sort of what what the plan seems to me uh, to to be up there right now. So they lose Mo Linguist to Buffalo. They they just hired Mo Linguist yep. and then he leaves to go take the head coaching job at Buffalo. It's a good deal for him. They bring in Steve Klinkscale, who was at Kentucky, to be the new defensive backs coach at Michigan. And, and Klinkscale, you know, he's, I think he's a good coach, but first and foremost, yes. he's, he's known as a recruiter, right? And mm-hmm. you look at him, you look at Mike Hart comes in, Ron Bellamy comes in from West Bloomfield High up in Michigan, and, and it seems pretty clear to me what the idea is here. Like, they needed to revamp their recruiting approach. So my question to you is, has Jim Harbaugh finally seen the light here? Like, does he realize that you have to get, like, <laughs> like talent matters. Like, you have to get yeah. good players into your program. I... I think that he has seen the light in terms of, yeah, more or less. I think he knew that talent mattered, and I think he always understood that. But I think he's seen the light in terms of how important, you know, organizational structure is to your recruiting and how important sort of relationships in your own backyard and within that, like, 100-mile radius of where you are, like, which would include Ohio. So, you know, when they bring in, in the offseason, they bring in Mike, Hart, they bring in Ron Bellamy, and suddenly that right there, you got two guys who come in on staff that, you know, last year when you watch Michigan play, and I know Ohio State didn't play him, obviously, because of the cancellation at the end, but I mean, like, if you watched them at all in the middle of the season, you know, that was a team that they can say whatever they want, they really stopped fighting for each other, you know, they stopped scrapping for each other, they stopped uh, holding the rope, so to speak, and, you know, Harbaugh talked after that Wisconsin game a lot about, um, and he was pretty despondent, that was probably as low as he's probably been, I would think, and I've covered every game that he's been at Michigan, and it was, you know, we need to find guys who want to fight, you know, fight for Michigan. And they had a problem, you know, with even after they were signing guys, losing guys, you know, not not being connected with families probably as well as they needed to be. So you bring in guys that played here. You bring in guys that are good coaches, number one. You know, Mike was, um, you know, Tom Allen's right hand in Indiana. He was a, he was a locker room guy for them. He was big on, uh, big with their culture, everything else. Uh, Ron Bellamy, obviously, you guys know him uh, up here. You know, Ron was at West Bloomfield, which is which was the best high school program in the state of Michigan the last couple of years. Uh, he turned that from nothing into something, and Ron obviously is a Michigan player. So 
those guys made a lot of sense. Mo Linguist was a guy that was kind of, you know, another one of these. He was a guy that had a connection with Jordan Lewis in Dallas with the Cowboys. Uh, a couple other coaches knew him. Uh, he'd been at A&M. He can recruit. He was a guy that came in and uh, along those same lines sort of helped them, they thought, kind of smooth out some of those situations. So I thought it was actually interesting when they lost Linguist to Buffalo, right? So they've, they've had this happen before where they lose a coach in a weird time, in a weird cycle. The guy leaves, and they don't know what to do. They're not prepared. They're not ready. Uh, in this case... You've got Mike Hart, you've got Ron Bellamy, and you know they moved on from Matt Dudek, Bill, and they brought mm-hmm. Courtney Morgan in, who's another former player who's running the recruiting department now. Those those guys all had contact with Plinkscale. They they knew what they were doing, they knew where they wanted to go, and they had that thing done by the end of the weekend, more or less. So, um, yeah, I think in some ways maybe it's too late. I don't know, but the 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 overall f- feel of the staff in terms of keeping your guys on the same page, I think, is is in a much better place right now than it was a year ago. Uh, Austin Meek, who is our Michigan beat writer, uh, wrote a story about Klingscal coming over uh, earlier this week. And there was a quote in there that I thought was uh, like kind of damning, but then I also think maybe a little promising for Michigan, too. Um, mm-hmm. And it was from uh, someone that, that Austin talked to, said that Steve Klingscal knows who the players are. He's talking about the players in Michigan's sort of footprint. And he says, Klingscal right. knows who the players are. That's one of the things that Michigan didn't have. They don't know who the players are. Or they didn't. Uh, there were times where they were late on a lot of stuff. So uh, two right. questions. One, how does that happen? And two, uh, do you see steps in a positive direction? I know they've not been on campus very long, yeah. but when you look at like Will Johnson's in the classes like that, is that a, right. is that a marker of improvement there already? Yes. I think that the the quote there from Austin, the, the late, them being late, like that was it. Like that was, it wasn't that they were clueless. It wasn't that they were terrible. They were always just like, they were not fast enough. They couldn't. You know, you looked at Ohio State staffs when when Urban really had it going, and in recent, and even right now with Ryan Day, and what you see a lot of times in recruiting from them is like it's efficient and it's fast. Like it's you know they act, they don't drag their feet, they don't mess around. When they want to do something, they go get it, and you know they get relationships with people, they have relationships at the ground level, they maintain them, they move quickly. When something happens, they have a plan and they're ready to go. Like uh, with Harbaugh, oftentimes when something would happen, it would be like, okay, well let's wait a minute, and we'll think about it. We haven't thought about this because we haven't stopped thinking about something else. So there was not a lot of, like, they just, that's the best way to say it. They were always, like, one step behind, it felt like, or two steps behind, and that would just, pure, you know, get worse and worse over time. They needed to be more nimble. They needed to be younger. They needed to be faster uh, and more aggressive in recruiting. And I think they needed to be able, you know, the youth in recruiting is important, I think, for coaches because you have to be able to, you know, talk to people, younger people that can understand you you can you have to you know be able to communicate with them on their level you have to be able to have some sort of shared experience with them and especially after they get to campus because I think that's the huge part here that that people forget like recruiting is is obviously the thing we all talk about but like once they sign with the transfer portal and everything else the way that it is now like you're if you don't have that like really good tight you know bond you're gonna get rated like big time in Michigan it's happened every single year they just keep getting rated by the portal and everything else, and that's going to be bad enough anyway. So I think that a lot of that, you know, just make sure you're re- recruiting your roster while they're here. Make sure you're being a college coach. Like, I think that was a big adjustment for Harbaugh going back from college to the NFL, back to college. Like, I think it took them a couple years because they had that older team. Then they got younger guys. I think it's, you know, it took a while, and, you know, we'll see. But, you know, like that's why I wonder, is it is it too late? I don't know. Is it is it a correction too late? I don't know. But I do think it's it's certainly an improvement, but we'll see how long it takes to pay off. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Do I have this right that that all of the assistants are under forty, or they all except for Klingscale now under forty? I think that is right. I think that um, Linguist was under forty. Um, I think they all are now under forty. I think it might be the youngest staff in FBS. I think someone had that stat. I don't know that for sure, but it's close. I mean, that's got to help, right? With all, with a lot of the stuff you're talking about, like not not only connecting, it's the not hurting. Trail, but yeah. like once they're in the program, sort of you're you're not friends, but you're. You mean you're closer yeah. in age than like I don't know Greg Madison was when he was there, right? Like I I don't think it hurts. I think Jim used to focus so much on, and it's not wrong. You know his ideas on some of this I don't think are wrong, but it's always like you know it's just about threading the needle, right? Like he was so I have to have coaches here who have great depth of knowledge with football, right? I have to have guys here who really understand scheme and can really coach and can really teach and really know it, uh, which they did. They would bring in analysts, you know, from the NFL or guys, you know, assistants, and even in some cases where, you know, safety's coach or another job would come open and he would hire someone from the NFL. And that guy would come in here and teach the hell out of his position. And it would really, you know, in a lot of cases it would work and it would help the kid. But in a lot of cases, like half the cases it would help the kid, half the cases it wouldn't because he wouldn't be able to connect, right? So I think in a lot of ways they were making those hires without the recruiting piece being as, you know, high on the chain as it probably needed to be. And I think that has probably evened out in time. But again, like that's the that's the hallmark of the Harbaugh era. Like a lot of the changes that you have to make in college football these days, they have to happen fast, and they have just been too late on like all of them. Not like Tennessee late, yeah. but you know, like late enough, and like Ohio State's never late, so that's the difference. So like this, this we're talking about we're talking about talent acquisition, I guess. Basically, when we have that discussion about Ohio State, we always compare them yeah. to Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, right? Like, that, that those those are Ohio State's recruiting peers. Right, exactly. Who should be Michigan's recruiting peers? Like, what's the baseline level yeah. of expectation, I guess, for what a Michigan class should look like now that they have this younger, sort of more recruiting-focused staff in place? I think Notre Dame um, and Penn State are the two that always come to mind for me uh, at the top because those are the two. Notre Dame especially. I think Notre Dame and Michigan recruit the same kids so often. They recruit the same. And you've seen, you know, we've seen what Notre Dame's been able to do the last couple of years and they've won so many of those battles with Michigan. I mean, even up until you know, Rocco Spindler was a kid from Clarkston, I think it was, in the last class or the one before that was a five-star kid, you know, hour from campus, and he's going to Notre Dame. And it's like, what the hell's going on here, right? Like that sort of stuff. So Notre Dame would be one. Penn State would be another, I think. Um, you know, in their perfect ideal world, they'd be on that level with Ohio State, but they haven't been. You know, and they haven't been for, shoot, 10 years, I would say, in terms of uh, that recruiting, but really what Michigan should be in and what I, what I think they fell out of was that, you know, t- was being solid in that you are six to 10, you're in, you know, that six to 10 range. You're just outside the playoff conversation, but maybe if you 
keep your roster loaded and you keep your attrition down, that every three or four years you can have a chance to, like that 2016 team they had where they were, you know, an inch away or whatever. Yep. Like, I think that's that's the goal. And I think they fell out of that and you want to get back into that. So, you know, how that, you know, changing everything now, your recruiting is going to have to take time to get guys in. How this is going to translate in terms of immediate success or whatever, I I don't know. But that's obviously where they need to get back to at least before they can even think about getting back to, uh, you know, a playoff conversation. I guess along those lines, like how how much do you think Ohio State influenced these changes, if at all? If, if maybe maybe that the changes are to get something like a step below being com- yeah uh, comparable to Ohio State. I think it's interesting. I think in the grand scheme, you know, everything Michigan does, I think Ohio State influences, right? I think I still think that's true. Um, you know, and I, I don't think it's quite what it was, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, or even quite what it was. Maybe on Urban's end, you know, when when Harbaugh first got hired, I remember when, you know, when he first got here, Urban would talk about how they were paying attention to everything they yep. did, right? They would watch, you know, everything they did, they were they were acting on or something. And I, Michigan wasn't doing that necessarily, and I'm not sure if they had to, but like even now at this point, like I think they dipped below that level to where, yeah, you're you're still judging yourself based on how close you are, I think, to to you know, in that, within that conversation. But like there are other factors at play here that. You know, they had to take into consideration, like, I mean, they were worse than Indiana last year, period. Like, end of story. They were worse than Indiana. They were worse than Penn State, you know, like all these teams. Like, they have a lot of things. Like, that was the difference this year. Like, every other restart we've talked about with Harbaugh has been like a tweak to get yourself like, well, you know what? They were like pretty close, right? Like, maybe one or two things here. Maybe they can fix this and they'll be right there in the fourth quarter against Ohio State this year and we'll see. That was not what this was. This was like, you need to save your ass because this is falling apart. Like, this is, like, not good at all. Uh, the defense is completely rusted out. It needs to be completely changed. And if you don't address this, you're going to be, like, 2-10 and 10 next year, and you're going to get fired before, you know, the end of October. So, like, that's what this was. This was a maybe, I don't know if you want to call it a Hail Mary or not, but, I mean, he completely reset the staff. He brought guys in from Baltimore that he trusts from his brother. Uh, he brought, guy, brought guys in, you know, that had the Michigan ties, and then he went out and found guys who, you know, and he trusted – guys on his staff and asked them, like, who can recruit? Who should I go get? And they said, you know, go get Clink, go get, you know, these guys like this. Uh, and that's what he did. I mean, he listened to people on his staff this time, maybe more than I think he probably has in years past, I would argue. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. But I would, from my end, from my sense, I think he listened to people around him more this year than he has in the past. And, you know, we'll see if that if that works out for him. So where, where does that leave you with where you think the, the rivalry is? Because the the you factor in the, the margins in the last few games. And yeah. It's weird because they didn't play last year, so we don't have that data point. But the two years before that, they were it was a rout. Um, and, like, now it, it seems to me, like, like what you just said, the conversation is not so much at the moment how can Michigan get back to being competitive right. with Ohio State. It's like, can we be better than Indiana? Can we, like, beat Michigan State? Yeah. Can we beat Penn State? And I don't know, like – Combining those two things together, the margin and sort of the position that Michigan has itself in in the, in the East right now, I don't know if the rivalry's ever been that the gap has ever been so big in the yeah. rivalry, and I don't know. I don't like, either. Is it going to get closer? Like, do you see it getting closer? I don't know. I mean, to me, it doesn't feel any better today than it did when Harbaugh took the job. Like when Harbaugh took the job, remember when Brady Hoke got fired? I don't remember what the final score was that last game uh, when Barrick uh, fourteen. It was like. They lost by two or three touchdowns. It was a blowout. Yeah, it was a blowout. Yeah. And I, but I think in that game they were like kind of close, and they ran away from it at the end. But it was like it's pretty clear here that these two teams aren't even close to the same, uh, you know, talent structure. And then fifteen was the same way. Sixteen was closer. Seventeen was a little close, and, and then it's just fallen off since. So I think it's 
it's right back where it was. Uh, I think he got it back close-ish once, and then it sort of just slipped back down. But I think Michigan, again, they've got their issue right now is, like, this is this is do-or-die time, I suppose. You'd call it that for, for Arbaugh. This is like, if you go out here this year, and you go, like, 6-6 six and six or 7, you're fired. You're getting fired. Like, I don't think they're going to bring you back. You know what I mean? Like, I... If you go eight and four, I've had people ask me this, like, well, Nick, what if they go eight and four? And I'm like, well, I mean, if they go eight and four and they have like, you know, they lose to Ohio State by a field goal, Indiana's awesome, and they lose to them by a field, like, something weird happens, I can understand that. But if they go eight and four and have some like chump losses in there, I don't know if I would bring them back either, because like what we're what we're talking about right here with Harbaugh is Michigan's in the situation where they're deciding whether or not they believe he's the guy that can be like their Kirk Ferentz, their long-term, you know, he can be our coach and we're going to win here with him. We just have to ride through the storm a little bit. Or if he's the guy who you say, jump off the boat now, get off of this thing and move forward. They didn't want to make that decision, I don't think, during the pandemic. Uh, I don't blame them for that. Um, I do think that had a factor in the whole thing. I wonder if we weren't in a pandemic. I do wonder, right? Like if, if, you know, what would have happened last year. But of course, you do you do wonder how the season would have gone as well, all those other things too. So I think that that's all fair. It's hard to make decisions like that in the middle of a pandemic, but like right now, as it sits, it's like, look, man, like I don't know how many more questions we have to ask here. Like there are no more. There's no more, you know, mental gymnastics or like weird math we can do to make up stats that prove that you're doing a good job when you're not. Like so, you know, those questions will answer themselves. I think this year, one way or the other. There was a we, we had a we had a hypothetical question that was posed to us. So we Ari and I answered it on a podcast um, a couple weeks ago, and I, I can't quite remember it. So I'm going to paraphrase it and throw it at you okay. and see what you think. It was something along the lines of it was two scenarios for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yeah. One is he goes like nine wins nine games, but one of the losses is just another shellacking at the hands of Ohio State, just like total blowout okay, yeah, off the field. Yeah. And the other scenario is they go like six and six, but by some miracle they beat Ohio State. <laughs> does he like? Does he lose his I, job I in either fired. of those scenarios? <laughs> Excuse me. I think he would be fired in the six and six. I think he'd be fired in the six and six because, like, even if you beat Ohio State, the I don't think I don't know if he'd make it. You know what I mean? Like, if it if you're six and six, to me that means like. Because Ohio State's last game of the year, that means that at some point you were probably like four and six, yeah, or whatever, right? So like, you're I don't know if you'd make it all the way through. You know, stranger things have happened, but I would say that one would probably cost him his job. The nine and three, that's the harder one, probably, right? Because it's like, well, you've I would I would argue that that would be the same though. I would argue that would be the same yeah. as what we saw in 2019. Like 2019, they were nine and four. They lost to Bama in the bowl game, but they were a nine and three team. That uh, lost, or like they were eight, maybe they were even eight and four. I don't remember what they were, but anyway, they lost to Ohio State. You know, they got blown out. It was like you're kind of competitive with everybody else, but it really wasn't enough. I mean, I I guess the difference would be like they got blown out against Wisconsin the last two years. Wisconsin smoked them. Uh, Penn State, if you're getting blown out by those two teams too, you know, like those are the those are the losses. It's it's the Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State games that are those red letters with the talent, and then Michigan State's the one that always you know the one that they just cannot stop overlooking every four years. Uh, so yeah, those are the ones that you just can't, the fan base just can't tolerate it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if you, if you lose any of them, like, Oh, you never know. So, you know, that's kind of the thing. Uh, one more recruiting thing before I want to ask you a couple of just like on the field things. Um, do you think they're going to go back mm-hmm. into Ohio for recruiting and, and the way we've seen them do and like, and you know, basically every I, year up until 2015? <laughs> yeah, I think in time. Yes. I, I think that they will, they were back in there. Um, at the end of 2018, before um, Ryan Day hired Al Washington and Madison, 
Um, and we've talked about that a ton, but they were starting to get back in there then. And that made me believe that, okay, well, they're, they think it's important anyway, or at least, you know, to some degree that they're going to get back in there. But I do think that, yes, I think that to start though, it's got to be local. They've got to fix Detroit. And I think that's the process they're, they're going through right now. I do think eventually they'll go back into Ohio. And I think in time, like how aggressive, I don't know, but like, I think like we've talked about this a bunch, like when Carr was here at the end of, um, you know, the mid 2000s at the end there, that stretch from 97 to 06, like, you know, they would get a handful of kids, you know, a handful of really good ones. It wouldn't, you know, a, a handful of kids from Ohio every year and then like one or two awesome kids from Ohio. Like one kid that Ohio State had to have, if you could steal one of them, you thought that was a really big win. And they did they did pretty well for themselves for a lot of years doing that. So I think that if you can get yourself into a situation where you can make life difficult, like Ari talks about, make like a life a little more difficult on them at the high end of the pool in Ohio, um, then I think that's what you would want to do. But I think they got to fix Detroit first. Uh, before they move down there, Detroit's interesting to me because Kerry Combs is back on state at Ohio, or back on staff yeah. at Ohio State now, and it, there was a time where it felt like Kerry was like teaching a class at Cast Tech. He was up there so yeah. much, and he was up there all the time. And I think you know, he, and he did a pretty good job, I think, of establishing a good relationship with Will Johnson in, in pretty short order. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Ohio State for a moment felt like they had a good shot of, of getting him. And, and who knows, maybe they still might if things fall apart at, at Michigan yeah. this year. But yeah, the idea of of the, with the guys that that Harbaugh has brought on staff, and like I don't I don't think Kerry's going to shy away from going up there now that he's back in Columbus. No. I think I think Detroit's going to come a pretty fascinating ba- battleground again for these two. Yeah, I mean I think that's a, that's the thing that needed to be hammered home again. Um, you know, it's funny I was talking to uh, I was talking to Jordan Lewis about something back in like January or February, and Jordan's from Detroit. And he played at Cast Tech, and obviously he played at Michigan. And he's in the NFL now, and so he knows all these guys. Like he he's known Will Johnson since Will's like six or seven, right? And, like, when you talk to Jordan about somebody like Will Johnson, you're like, how the hell? And, he, and his thing is, like, how the hell do we not have a commitment from Will Johnson when he was, like, 14 years right. old? Like, this is what – these are the things that these guys talk about. And, like, those are the conversations that I think did finally sort of make it up the ladder into someone's ear to get to Harbaugh. Because it's like you have to have guys like Bellamy on staff because everybody – you know, Ron comes in here. Linguist was a big part of that, too. But I think Ron Bellamy being here and the fact that, you know, when Linguist left – and this is another difference. When that change was happening on staff, like the players all knew about it. Previously, oftentimes they had to find out about it, you know, on Twitter or somewhere else or whatever else. They were told what was sort of happening as it was going on. Will Johnson, I think, was told what was happening as it was going on and who they were going to go try to get and everything else. Uh, Will knows Steve Klinkscale, all that sort of stuff too. So those are the those are the little things, right, that we talk about in recruiting that are so important that Michigan would get. Some of them right, but not all of them and not nearly enough. And in Detroit, you have to get all of them. Like, I talk to Colton about this all the time with Mel Tucker and Michigan State. Like, they're still struggling a little bit in Detroit, Michigan State is. And I think part of that has nothing to do with Mel Tucker. And I think everything to do with, like, you can't recruit Detroit on Zoom. I think you have to be <laughs> in Detroit. Like, Kerry Coombs is a great example. Like, you just said it, Bill. Kerry was up there teaching a class. Urban was up there all the time, too. Like, you have to be there. If you're there all the time and they see you... And, you know, like, because it's a very relationship. Everybody knows everybody. It's like a small town. I mean, in a lot of ways, Detroit is. But you have to be there. You have to, they have to see you. They have to know you. They have to get to know you. And if they can trust you, then you can develop a relationship. If you're just walking in there and saying, like, I'm the coach of Michigan, come on down. You're like, it's not going to work. They're going to be like, get the hell out of here. We'll go to Penn State. I don't care. Like, that's how it is. So, like, you have to be there. You have to be present. And you have to be, you know, consistent with it. It has to be all the time. And I think that Michigan coaches historically, have had a hard time with that in Detroit, and the best ones 
handle it well, and the ones that struggle, you know, it goes back and forth. So we'll see how it goes. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, on the field, um, I think there there are probably some Ohio State fans, probably a lot of Ohio State fans, who were sad to see Don Brown uh, move on because of uh, <laughs> yeah. this, the success that Ryan Day had right. uh, against Don Brown's defenses. Uh, Mike McDonald comes in from Baltimore. How mm-hmm. different is this defense going to look, sort of just like structurally, and then how like how is the roster set up? I guess to kind of step into those roles, or is it going to take a couple of years for them to get the kind of athletes yeah. they want? I think it'll take a couple years. Um, I really do. I don't think this is going to go as smooth. <laughs> I think it's going to be a a big curve here. Um, you know, we all know that Michigan was super heavy man with Don Brown when he got here. Um, almost exclusive man coverage in 2016, 2017, mostly in 2018. 2019 and 2020, they started to introduce a little more uh, zone, but it was still mostly man heavy. But the big thing here is I think they're going to switch um, – and my guess would be is that we'll see a lot of the match coverage, a lot of the stuff that Ohio State uses, a lot of stuff that we see in the NFL, the Saban stuff. Um, you know, McDonald is from the the Todd Grantham, Nick Saban tree. Uh, you know, he got his start in, you know, high-level football at Georgia with Grantham. So um, the three-match, uh, the odd front, um, and some of that stuff with, with the hybrids, I think that's what you'll see. In some ways, I think Michigan has – the roster to do that, but in other ways, I think it's going to be weird because you know Brown recruited a lot of those uh, Viper linebackers, mm-hmm. those uh, those nickel linebackers. So I think some of those guys, uh, you know, can find a role here because I think that just the general body type of a linebacker in 2021 is much different than what it was even in like 2017. So I think um, I think some of those guys can be repurposed, but a lot of guys on defense I think are going to have to be repurposed because you're going to see two. A lot more odd fronts uh, for Michigan with, with you know with the edge component like Aiden Hutchinson will be you know I would assume will be more used in some of that stand up edge linebacker role I think that's how he'll be scouted in the NFL as well he'll be on the on the line as well too but I think you'll see a little bit more change in terms of their fronts I think you'll see more zone but really the thing that I think is going to take the most time is is like they've got to teach him how to be a zone team like they have no idea how to play zone coverage like that was the that was the thing that came up last year so many times. Like when they lost to Indiana, uh, Penix just beat the hell out of them by just taking just soft spots in the zone over and over and over because they just didn't they just didn't have that like muscle memory to spring you know out of zone. So I think that that's something I would expect the first six weeks of the year at least to be kind of a learning curve. I don't the offense is going to have to carry them if they're going to go anywhere because yeah you're overhauling a lot and I think they've got smart kids but you know the weak spots there are up front. Uh, in the middle, a defensive tackle, <laughs> and at corner. 
And if you if you don't have defensive tackles and corners, you can't play in man. And if you're a bad zone team, you suck. So like that's sort of the thing they've got to fix. And uh, they're they're in the middle of doing that right now. So I, I think it's going to be a challenge. But you know we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then on the other side, I want to ask you quickly about what's going on at quarterback because I see some parallels a little bit. And I guess maybe these exist everywhere, but but certainly it's at Ohio State this year too. Mm-hmm. It's like what happens if they pick player X? Like what are the dominoes of, of that? Yeah. And so you have Kate McNamara and like he could be a multi-year starter if they name him the starter. But you have right. J.J. McCarthy, the five-star freshman, kind of waiting in the wings. Like is there any fear that they pick McNamara, which would be like totally reasonable, but then, you know, J.J. McCarthy like never plays yeah. in Michigan because he doesn't want to sit around. I mean, yeah. if if you pick McNamara, then he, I mean, that you would hope that he's great. Like, I guess, right? Like, I, I think that that whole thing is going to be interesting if they pick McNamara based on how he plays, I guess, is how I would say, right? Like, does his leash get shorter or whatever word you want to use? Harbaugh hates it when you use – we don't put players on leashes here, right? Like, <laughs> does his does his whatever, does his rope get shorter – um, you know, because you've got a kid behind him who presumably, and McNamara, I'll say this, you know, of all the freshman quarterbacks that he's signed, he is the most ready to play. Like, I don't know if he's ready, but like, he's the most ready. Like, Peters wasn't ready. McCaffrey wasn't ready. Uh, you know, Spate, none of those guys, uh, he didn't sign Spate, but like, uh, this is the most ready freshman player that he's brought in here. But I, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, but I do, I do wonder, right? Like if McNamara gets this, gets the job, wins it, which he might. Um, I think he was the leading guy there at the end of spring, or at least in the middle of it. Uh, but that doesn't really mean much. But if he gets a job and like struggles in in the first three weeks, but is like okay-ish, do you see what you got? Like that's the thing because you've got a kid that's so talented and you think so highly of, and you don't want to mess around. And I mean, it's hail mary time, like we just talked right. about. They can't afford to be wasting time. So yeah, I think all things have to be on the table this year. I think that in a normal year, I think Jim Harbaugh would tell you that. He, he would do anything he could to not play a true freshman quarterback. I still think he really, really doesn't, you know, all things considered, like his best case scenario for all quarterbacks development would be you take that year, you learn, and then, you know, you build as time goes on and you get to be 24, 25 during the NFL. And now suddenly you've got all the tools and you're ready to play. Like that's how he sees quarterback development. And I think for him, a lot of it is that long-term picture, but in this situation, maybe you've got to, Ratchet up further. That's another thing. Michigan doesn't play a lot of young guys. They did that with defense last year, too. They lose guys on their team by not incorporating them earlier, not getting them on the field earlier. I think you'll see maybe some more of that, too. I think the younger staff maybe would have some. But at quarterback, yeah, I don't know. That's going to be a really – that'll be an inter- interesting, uh, yeah, first month there to see how that plays out. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a real shame, I think. And I think it's possible that we're – like if we never see like Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy, Ohio State, Michigan yeah, battles because right. – like I think Ohio State could have had either of those guys in the twenty twenty one recruiting class, and, and they took McCord. That's how I understood it. Yeah, um, they mm-hmm. took McCord, and McCarthy goes to Michigan, and he like talked a little shit, and it was great. And it's like, man, yeah, I can't wait for right. these two guys to get on the field against each other. And it's like, well, depending on what each of these head coaches decide to do with the position, like that may very well never happen. I would think he'll get there because, like, I, like McNamara last year, right? Like he got in the game, and uh, when Milton come, comes out, and, and he looked really good, and I think he looked good because Milton was so like. He was like broken at that point, right? Like lost and just rattled and he had no confidence and didn't know. Like all McNamara did at the time when he, he played one game, he played three quarters against Rutgers and like one quarter against somebody else. He comes in and he just makes like proper reads. Yeah. And they score like 49 points against Rutgers, which is all you really need to do in that offense to score 49 points. So McNamara at minimum should be a decent floor quarterback. But, you know, McCarthy's the guy that you think, you know, by watching him on tape can make the shot throws and everything else. And that's... 
that's the thing that I think in time, and this is where Jim's going to have to decide, like, this is the, this is the plight of the college coach. You have to be able to look at an 18 or 19 year old and say he's ready to go. Like you have to be able to do that. And I think sometimes he has struggled with that. I think his staffs have been careful, too careful at times, maybe holding guys, you know, I don't think you're ready yet. We're not, you know, that sort of thing. I think that sometimes you just have to take a chance on a kid and let him and let him go. And uh, we'll see if that we'll see if that happens this year at quarterback. I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't. But I mean, McCarthy being there early in spring, them having a full spring certainly helps. That was the thing they were worried about. Like if if you can't have a spring, then you know what's he going to do? Yeah. But I think he's he's going to have a chance. I, I it wouldn't shock me if he if he wins the job, but um, wouldn't shock me if McNamara wins it either. I, I think we'll be talking about it all season, or at least for most of it anyway. All right, uh, before uh, I let you go here, and you've done a fabulous job of, of being Ari Wasserman for the day. Uh, oh. Kudos to you for that. Uh, as I said, Always good. Uh, you, you also cover the Lions, write about the Lions quite extensively, yeah, uh, along with Chris Burke. A uh, couple of Buckeyes up there, Jeff Okuda and Jonah yes. Jackson. Um, it seemed like Jeff had a little bit of an up-and-down rookie year. Jonah maybe fit in mm-hmm. a little little bit better, a little more seamlessly yeah. maybe. Uh, just what did you make of the rookie year for both those guys, and, and what do you think is ahead of them at a you know franchise that's got some coaching staff turnover now? Yeah. Too? Joe Jackson was great. Jack Jonah Jackson was perfect for what they needed. Um, you know, we talked about the high floor, high floor, perfect for Jonah Jackson. Like he is such a smart player. Uh, physically was like ready to go. Uh, you know, what a great find for Ohio State that last year that they had him. But I mean, he has been steady. Like he's not going to be this overwhelming guy. I'm I'm curious to see sort of what happens with Jonah as he develops. Like I, I don't know what his second contract situation will be, but I do think that he's in a really good spot here to be, you know, a steady guy in an offensive line now that you know they just drafted Penny Sewell mm-hmm. they've got Decker up there and they signed you know Taylor Decker got a they gave him a long-term deal last year they love him Ragnow is maybe the best center in the league so really good situation for Jonah I think he's he's going to be in a really good spot uh Okuda yeah it wasn't good last year really really was bad and I think a lot of it two things I think he had the um he had the core injury that he had surgery on after the season ended but also like I mean, you know, they didn't have training camp. They didn't have anything in the offseason. They didn't have any OTAs. I mean, he comes in here in a coaching situation that is a disaster. You know, Patricia and, you know, Corey Unlin. I think Corey Unlin's a good secondary coach, but they, they were in kind of a mess, everything else. Um, now he gets to work with Aaron Glenn. I think that, I think, I think he'll have a better year. Uh, but I do think Aaron Glenn is going to push the, <laughs> he's going to push him hard. And I think that we're going to see, you know, you know, Jeff talks a lot about, and he's a mature kid and everything else, and I think you guys know that, obviously, but, like, he talks a lot about challenging himself. He talks a lot about pushing himself and all these things, and, you know, he's still a young guy kind of finding his way in the NFL, and I think this is, like, we talked to Aaron Glenn a couple weeks ago about him, and, you know, they went through a lot of things, and he sat down with him and just broke down route concepts and all these things, and a lot of it with Aaron was that Jeff's confidence was gone. Mm-hmm. Like, he lost all of it. We need to build it back up. And with that, I think, comes... Like, Jeff Okuda, I think, needs to be better, probably, at understanding, like, okay, I lost that rep. I have to gather myself now for the next one. Like, we talked about that with Aaron. Like, he didn't fail. He didn't lose, Did he a, lose a high didn't school. lose a whole lot. He didn't lose a high school <laughs> game. Right. Like, Jeff Okuda, he lost, like, what, three games ever before he got to the NFL? Something crazy like this? Like, so, that's a big thing for him right now, is learning, like, man, like, you're going to get beat sometimes. But, like, you have to be able to hang in there and we saw that last year a couple times where he'd get beat once or twice and it would be like lights out, which was surprising to me because the mental toughness there, obviously it was a weird year and everything else, but that's one thing. He'll, we'll see. This is 
this is a big ch- test for him, but I do think that uh, they're still pretty high on him. I think they'll think he was, he's going to be a pretty good player. So what, what you're saying is that Jonah Jackson getting his face kicked in for four years at Rutgers better prepared him <laughs> for the NFL than Jeff Okuda never losing at Ohio State. That's maybe I don't know. Like Jonah, Jonah Jackson's like the like the mauler, like the fridge guard who just like you can't move him. Like right, so maybe I don't know the trials and tribulations. But yeah, when I would go back and watch like some of Okuda's stuff from Ohio State, and then you watch it in the NFL, you're like, well, no shit, like no wonder, yeah. no wonder, like everybody on this team is like a five star athlete. But yeah, I think some of that is is still a process that he's kind of uh, going through. Cool. Uh, well, well, thanks, Nick, for, for joining us here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed I learned a little bit more about Michigan, what's going on up there. I hope our listeners did, too. Um, read Nick, read Austin Meek and The Athletic do a great job uh, covering the Michigan program and on all things football in the state of Michigan. And I think it's one of the more fascinating programs to, to kind of keep tabs on this offseason and, and in 2021. So thanks again, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely, Bill. All right. Thanks again to Nick for joining us on 4 to 6 with A&B and filling in for Ari uh, this week. Like I said, Ari, we'll be back next week. We'll have a normal show with me and him shooting the shit about Ohio State. We'll figure out something to talk about with Ohio State in the offseason. Um, probably some of the transfer stuff with Henry Toto going on uh, to Alabama, not coming to Ohio State. Maybe where things stand with Ohio State potentially adding some more guys via the portal, um, recruiting, heating up in the month of June. So a lot to talk about with Ohio State coming up. Thanks for listening to this episode of 4 to 6 with A and B, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.